Hey, this is Joel Sedicase. I'm the host of this podcast, Worldview Legacy. I'm also the founder and lead teacher of the Think Institute. And in this episode, I wanted to share with you my origin story. Who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get to this point where I am now? And how did I embark on this journey that I'm on and that I am so thrilled to have you on along with me? This is Worldview Legacy, the show that helps Christian men become the worldview leaders their families and churches need. So who am I and how did I get here? In 2010, I was a Bible teacher at a Christian school in Chicago called Chicago Hope Academy. And I was new to the world of Christian education. I had just left my job in the business world in 2009 And I found myself teaching high schoolers. And it was my conversations with those students that really showed me three things. One, that Christians wanted answers to their questions about the Bible. Two, that I wanted to have those answers. And three, that I was going to need a lot more knowledge in order to play that role. I knew my current position wasn't the role that God had built me for, not ultimately. And I really wanted to find that perfect role that could bear fruit, that could be productive in God's kingdom. So I knew that I would need more education, but I didn't know what. I just knew that I was going to, I was not going to get it in my current role as a high school Bible teacher. I was going to have to leave that position and start on a new journey. So my pursuit of that knowledge is what led me to enroll at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, or TEDS, in 2011. Now, even with a good scholarship, this was going to cost many thousands of dollars. I was working part-time helping run the kids' ministry at our church in Chicago, but Elisa was the one supporting the family, my wife. She was working as a catering sales manager. During this time, my journey did become clearer, though. While I was at TEDS, I took courses in evangelism, sharing the faith, and apologetics, defending the faith. I also met up with one of the pastors at our church, Kenson Lamb. And with Kenson, I discussed my gifts and interests, and he counseled me that apologetics would be a good field for me to pursue. Apologetics is the defense of the faith. So I envisioned myself teaching eager adult students, college students, the most powerful arguments for God's existence and just awing them with my teaching. Now, the question was, how exactly does someone pursue a career in apologetics and in teaching people apologetics? Well, as I was trying to figure that out, Elisa, who was very pregnant with our daughter, 35 weeks pregnant, lost her job. I knew at that point I was going to have to find a full-time job to support the family. So I joined the staff at a church in the suburbs as a pastor in training. That was my position. I was quickly given the position of youth pastor, and there I was right back to teaching high schoolers again and middle schoolers too this time. I did not feel like I had arrived in the role that God had built for me, and quite honestly, I think my students and their parents could tell. I was learning a ton about theology, and I wanted to convince my students that it was all true and very relevant in their lives. But, you know, as a youth pastor, there's all these other things you're supposed to do too, all these fun things. But I was very serious. Uh, Quite frankly, when you think about what a youth pastor is supposed to be, I was probably not a very good one. 
I had a little bit of success, but it really was not the best fit. Now, during this time, what I believed about God, what I knew about God was tested to the extreme. Starting in 2014, a wave of medical crises hit my family. That winter, while she was pregnant with our son, Lucas, Elisa was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. A year and a half after that, when Lucas was 10 months old, the doctors told us that he had leukemia. As a husband and dad, I now had to learn about God's sovereignty, his authority and control, his goodness, and his presence with me in real time, in real life. And at one point, I found myself face down on the floor of the chapel in the hospital, just calling out to Jesus. And I felt his presence with me. I was learning, I was gaining knowledge about God, but this was not exactly the knowledge that I had in mind when I set out on a journey for more knowledge. The stresses of ministry and life also showed me my own inadequacy, whether it was due to God's conviction or the devil's condemnation. During those days, I became very aware of my own sin, especially sin from my past. I was a Bible teacher. I was a pastor. I thought that I was supposed to have everything figured out. I was supposed to live this exemplary life, and I should have always have lived an exemplary life, but I knew that that wasn't true about me. Through studying the Bible, though, and talking with other believers and listening to sermons from pastors like Pastor Mark Driscoll from Mars Hill Church, I had to be reminded over and over again that my sins had been paid for by Jesus on the cross, that I wouldn't be fit for a role because I was so holy, but rather because of God's grace for me through Jesus, that grace was very real. And I needed to be reminded of this. Again, I was getting an education. God was teaching me, but this was not what I thought I had signed up for when I embarked on my journey. Through my studies at TEDS, I was becoming aware of two more facts. One, apologetics is awesome. Defending the faith is awesome. And two, the teachings of John Calvin, the old pastor and reformer, are probably true. I was becoming a Calvinist. I had seen too much of God's sovereignty in my own life and screaming at me from the pages of scripture to ignore it. Now, this put me in a really interesting, really strange position because I was really into apologetics, but I was also becoming a Calvinist. And I didn't know any people who loved apologetics and were also Calvinists. I thought I was a very rare breed. I was not able to make what I believed about the Christian worldview and God line up with how I defended the truth of that worldview. My theology and apologetics didn't mesh. And even though I was learning, and even though I loved apologetics, my apologetic at that time was a mess. Let me tell you about that. First of all, my motivation was wrong. I really wanted the other person that I was talking to, whether it was an atheist or um, a newer Christian, but primarily a, a non-Christian, I wanted them to know that I was intelligent. So I would load up on all the arguments from philosophy and history, science, evidence, all that I could, and I would share it with them because I cared just as much about what the other person thought of me as I did about whether or not he believed the Bible and the gospel. Not good. Along with my motivation, though, 
my goal was also wrong. In my heart, I wanted to win. I didn't just want the person to think I was smart. I wanted him to concede, to admit that I was right. This led me not only to conversing or discussing or even debating, but arguing when I would get into these conversations. When I found out that someone disagreed with me about theology, even if it was my own pastor, I did not know how to let that go and move on. And so I found myself arguing, even with my pastor at my church, my boss, not the one who had hired me, but his replacement. And this too, this was not good. This wasn't working. Now, on those occasions when I did articulate myself rather well, I still didn't really have a way of defending my faith that actually lined up with what I believe. My theology and my apologetics still didn't line up, didn't mesh. So I would use evidence and science and philosophy, all that, but I was trying to meet the other person on so-called neutral territory. I was trying to play the game by his rules. If he said he didn't have enough evidence to believe the Bible, I believed him. I took that claim at face value. And I would go off and I would do the research and I would come back with the evidence. And I would do this over and over again. Matter of fact, I did this over and over again over a period of several months with my atheist friend, Chris. And after I shared all that evidence, you know what he told me? He said, but there just isn't any evidence. So clearly I was doing something wrong. I wanted to beat my head against the wall at this point because I'd been appealing to evidence. But here's the thing. I had been appealing to evidence as a neutral thing that his neutral, unbiased reasoning could understand when in reality, the issue was in the heart. So I believed all these things about the power and the authority of scripture, about the Bible, but I didn't know how to translate that into my apologetics. I didn't know how to stand firmly on God's word and even use the Bible in my defense of the Christian worldview. And I felt frustrated. I felt lost. Then one night I was driving and I was listening to the Reformed Pubcast, a podcast hosted by two Calvinists. And they were talking about presuppositional apologetics, presuppositional apologetics. I didn't know anything about it. But as they spoke, I was riveted. I even pulled my car over so I could listen better. And it began to dawn on me that these guys were talking about a way of defending the faith that actually agreed with what I believe the Bible taught about the faith. It was a method that treated the Bible itself as the foundation that honored God's sovereignty that said, hey, use the Bible in your apologetics. So I went home and started studying presuppositional apologetics or presup. My love for apologetics had found renewed life. My frustration turned into enthusiasm. And yet I still had a problem that was deeper than just my method. My problem was myself. See, I had a better method now, but how was I going to overcome that desire that I had to appear super smart, you know, and to win the argument? If I couldn't figure this out, man, I was going to crash and burn as a Bible teacher and as a defender of the faith. Yeah, my method would be good, but my heart would be all wrong. I'd set out on this journey to get the knowledge I needed to teach God's word, to answer questions. But if I couldn't do all that God's way, then I would never really be fit for the role that I'd set out to find, the role that God had built me for. Worst case scenario, I'd become even more argumentative, more insecure, and I really wouldn't be fit for any role in ministry. My whole journey would have led to a dead end. So what did I do? 
I reached out to Pastor Joe Thorne of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. Joe is a pastor who pastors pastors. And I told Pastor Joe, I said, I keep feeling like I have to get into these arguments and win them. What is that? What do I do about it? Well, he quickly replied that I needed meekness. And he recommended this book by Matthew Henry, an old theologian. The book was called The Quest for Meekness and Quietness of Spirit. And that conversation with Joe and that book transformed my life. It showed me what meekness is, how important it is for Christians, and how it leads to peace among people and within communities. I now had the missing piece to to a complete approach to articulating, sharing, and defending my faith. I had experienced the real-life testing of my faith, and now God was transforming my own heart through meekness. It would help me seek peace in my conversations and to speak the truth with grace. Well, the Lord continued to work on me over these next few years. In 2016, I was let go from my position as a youth pastor. The church had restructured, but man, we all knew I wasn't the best fit for that role. Uh, I returned to our previous church in Chicago, where I'd worked part-time in the kids' ministry. This time, though, I was coming as a pastor. I started out as an associate pastor at one location. The church has many locations. I was there for a year, and I oversaw the children's ministry, and I was preaching. And then I moved to a different location and became the interim lead pastor. I did that for about a year. Now, immediately at that, at that church, there were conflicts with difficult people, one person in particular, but the Lord had taught me meekness. And so I was able to focus on ministry and growing in my role rather than winning every argument. I took my passion for sharing and defending the faith and the knowledge that I had in order to teach the Bible now, and I started to create trainings for the people in the church. I wanted to take what I had learned over the past eight years and to teach it. Without people having to go through what I went through, I wanted to instill that knowledge in them. And slowly in my mind, a picture began to form of an organization that would teach these things to Christians in the local church. Now, I developed an approach to defending the faith and to answering all the questions that people ask that any Christian with a Bible can use. It's a three-step method that stands on God's Word as its foundation, that uses the Bible to defend the Christian worldview in a presuppositional way, that dismantles the unbiblical position or the doubt or the challenge to the faith without disrespecting the person or trying just to win the argument. It focuses more on leading the person to the gospel rather than showing how smart I am or how smart the person is. It focuses on sharing the truth in a biblical and intellectual way, but doing it with grace. I found success with this method in my interactions with non-Christians, whether it was at a cafe or in casual conversations on the L train in Chicago, and even in my online debates and discussions with atheists like Ethan Michael, Ken Leonard, Travis Pangburn, and Tom Jump. In these debates, I may not convince the person of my point of view, but it isn't about winning the argument for me anymore. I don't always look intelligent in these encounters, at least not to the other person, but my motivations, my goal, and my method are all transformed. I want to glorify Jesus by sharing the truth of the Christian worldview, by showing the falsehood of the non-Christian position, and by accurately presenting the gospel and inviting the person to repent and believe it in an unashamed way. And with that, 
God has given me a lot of success. The first time that I taught this method that I've been developing, I taught it at our church and my wife's friend, Katie, told her afterwards how she felt so confident in what she believed as a result. Since then, I've taught it at other churches. I've taught it at men's ministries, webinars, conferences, and I get messages from guys on Facebook who tell me that they appreciate how I debated with an atheist. But one of the joys, the biggest joys that I have is with my high schoolers. Yes, after all this journey, I'm right back to teaching high school students again. I'm teaching an apologetics class that I'm developing using my method at a local homeschool co-op. And my students love it. They love role-playing. One will play the non-Christian and the other one plays the Christian defending the Christian worldview. And they go toe-to-toe, man. They they get into it. It's a lot of fun. It's a joy. They listen. They ask questions. They defend the truth of the Bible, not their own ability to look smart or give amazing philosophical arguments. They're not perfect. No one is. But they're learning just like I learned, and they're enjoying it. So I finished at TEDS in 2017. I earned my MA in philosophy of religion. And over five years, after over five years of serving as a pastor, I launched the Think Institute in 2019. Today, I spend my time teaching Christians how to answer questions that the world is asking about their faith. I have discussions with non-Christians about why the Bible is true, and I provide resources for men and their families and the younger generation to articulate and defend the Christian worldview. I had set out on this journey to find the knowledge that I needed for the role that was right for me, and it turns out that God had to make me the right man for that role. Many of those struggles that my family faced in 2014, 2015 are past. Elisa and Lucas won their battles against cancer, but our family has had more challenges to face. In fact, right after I launched the Think Institute, Lucas went into heart failure, and he ended up spending over seven months in the hospital. But through it all, God has been incredibly faithful to us. He continues to provide. He continues to shape us, to shape me. I know that he is still developing me into the right man for this role. My journey is not done. In fact, in many ways, I'm sure my journey is still beginning, but today I can confidently enter into any conversation, talk about my faith, talk about what the Bible teaches because of the journey that God has been bringing me on. When I think about what God has done and how he's taught me about his grace and how his grace through Jesus and not my own goodness makes me fit for this role, how he showed me his provision through these really dark times, how he taught me meekness and led me to this method of apologetics, of defending the faith, and how God has given me opportunities to use that method, all I can do is thank him. Because my own heart was the problem. And through my journey, God has transformed my heart, transformed my mind, so that I can use my mind for the teaching role he's built me for. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. That's what the Think Institute is all about. And if that sounds good to you, I'm glad you're on this journey with me. So now you know my origin story. That's where I've been, and that's where I'm coming from. Now, here's what I'm here to provide for you. I'm here to help you, the Christian man who's not a pastor, who wants to live out God's teaching in your household and in your work, to build a legacy so that you, your kids, and your wife will be able to confidently answer the questions that the world is asking from the Bible. 
And as you do, you will see Jesus change lives as you share your faith. If you want to build a worldview legacy for your family, join the Think Squad group now so you can become a worldview leader and serve your church and lead your family as God has required it in this moment, the moment that God has created you to live in right now. All you have to do to join the group is to open up Facebook and search for Think Squad. That's T H I N K S Q U A D. Think Squad. Answer the short membership questions, and that's all it takes. Thanks for listening to Worldview Legacy. This episode was produced by me, yours truly, and now you know me a little bit better. And it's a production of the Think Institute. <laughs>